0: Too smart for your trading app? Tired of brokers made for beginners? Then it's time you get serious. It's time you join TastyTrade, the tools and tech you need for a tough market, plus low and capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more, all in one place. If you trade anywhere else, you're missing out. Join the club, genius. Visit tastytrade.com. TastyTrade, Inc. is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA, NFA, and SIPC. When Firefly Aerospace conducted its first successful launch last October, CEO Bill Weber, brand new, just a month on the job, told me the milestone would be just the beginning. And
1: then when we're ready and, and when we can actually do what we say we can do, then, then we'll sign contracts and we'll sign agreements that give them a manifest and give us the assurance that, that they have a payload that needs to go up. Uh, and so that work uh, is uh, is going like like gangbusters right
0: now. Since that podcast appearance nine months ago, the startup has been busy. Firefly has doubled its manufacturing facilities, inked deals with NASA, the US Space Force, and Lockheed Martin, and now is on the cusp of raising more cash.
1: You know, we were involved in capital raise. got some really good news that we're gonna be announcing um, soon. That's coming to a close. We're oversubscribed and it was an up round for Firefly.
0: On this episode, we talk about Firefly's strategy to diversify, recent acquisitions, including some assets of bankrupt Virgin Orbit, and even plans to go public. I'm Morgan Brennan, and this is Manifest Space. It's like, where to start? I guess let's start with Alpha.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Alpha, so I think it, we, we may have joked um, the last time we got together that that was literally within the first 30 days that it took over as CEO and we got alpha into orbit i think i probably made the joke that um maybe wasn't as funny to everybody at what i made it of there's nothing this isn't that hard right i mean <laughs> i would only I'd only been in place 30 days um what alpha is doing now though the intention is never to do it once um the intention is to drive the commercialization of space that's what firefly is in this for um, these are businesses they're not science projects and so what we've been doing since then is getting out of a development footing on that rocket and getting into production. So don't do it once, do it, do it once a month ultimately, or really once a week if demand says that's what we need, but be production ready in everything we do. So most of the time, most of our energy and effort since last fall has been building manufacturing capability in Austin so that we can produce that rocket making sure that our processes are intended to be repeatable and not everybody rallying around every single step. So 13 individual work cells to build an alpha, making sure that work cell one does what it it is intended to do and then passes it down the line and begins again on its particular function so that we get into full rate production. That's hard to do. The good news is the aerospace industry has been doing it for decades, for a century. Uh, and so you have to bring those processes to what we're doing in space over and over and over, just repeatable, and that's, that's Alpha. So we're there, we're ready to go. We've got our next launch, and then after that, we, will, we are in a production cadence right now where we can do everything we do with Alpha every two months.
0: Every two months. Every two and months. you're looking to get to one month.
1: Yes, Once and so month, we have a schedule say. to do that. Again, I think part of my job as CEO is to not push too far, too fast, and create an unforced error. Right now, arguably, we have a lead. There's no other rocket that's flying in the one metric ton class today. We are. There's nobody else that can take a payload manifest from a customer with, uh, with a schedule that would say, you can fly on this particular date. We can. Um, and we intend to maintain that lead. And so my judgment on the business was it's ready right now to move out of that development cycle into an every two-month window. And we're going to get really good at that and sharpen and learn some things along the way and sharpen our edge on how do we produce that rocket every two months. And just as importantly, how do we ship it, stage it, and launch it every two months. And then when we're comfortable with all those processes across that production cycle, we'll shorten it to a month and a half. So we'll go every 45 days. And we won't stay there long. We'll ultimately then bring it down to every 30 days. And I think when we look out at the demand that we see for small launch, we can project out about 48 months, and if I could build a rocket a month. 48 months, Yeah, we can, just based on those customers that we know are intending to launch if there is capacity. We can see a launch a month for us, and let's say two or three other competitors in that launch class. One, roughly, one metric time. And so our perspective is, if we can get that down to one a month, we think there's demand that, that keeps alpha flying for the foreseeable future. I think it goes on beyond 48 months, but your headlights start to dim really beyond 36 months because you just need to watch the market evolve and just see what happens, what goes to medium class, what, what stops flying altogether. And so our perspective is alpha has a demand signature for the next three to four years which is more than good enough for for what we want to do with it. We'll fly it longer than that um, if it's a productive workhorse in the market. Um, But for right now, that's all it needs to do for us.
0: So demand is there, Mm and particularly for the next couple of years. I mean, when you see more of these medium-class rockets come online, Mm -hmm. you see something like Starship come online, which is being discussed as a very disruptive capability, potentially, including to small launch. Mm -hmm. How are you thinking about that? competitive landscape over the medium
1: to yeah. longer term then. I think there are so many corollaries when you think about transportation. That's what, really that's what we're talking about here, is this is transportation infrastructure. And so whether you wanna go with wheeled vehicles and the way that we move things around the country, around the world with wheeled vehicles, or by water, or by air today, you don't, there, there are in any of those markets, there's not a one size fits all, there isn't. There, are, there is not cargo, that you would put in uh, in a moving van um, that in some cases might be a- more appropriately put in the back of a pickup truck. There's not cargo that, that you would ultimately like to move across the country that uh, in one fell swoop, that putting it in the back of a smaller truck and making multiple trips just starts to get a little bit unnatural um, uh, and inordinate. Space is very similar. Um, Starship most definitely has a place, I'm sure, um, Sure, SpaceX is really glad that uh, that you know I I believe in that and I I agree <laughs> with that. Um, but the intention of taking everything up with a hundred metric ton rocket and dropping it off where that rocket goes, and then using the resources of all of those things you took up there to then move to exactly where in space it wants to go, um, I think is a gross oversimplification. So what we believe, and I think the rational market believes is that there is a small, a medium, and a large demand signature out there. And so some things will go up on large and get deployed. Some things in between those areas where the large flies will drop off 20 to 30 to 40 instances, the medium class, and kind of fit in between. And then some things will require precision, whether they're national security issue um, payloads in the one metric ton class or replacement sets that need to go exactly to a street address and not a state or a region of space. Um, small, medium, large fits very, very well. What we intend to be is a dominant player in the small and medium um, um, landscape. And and so far so good. So I
0: yeah. mean it does raise questions. I mean you, you've got the space utility vehicle mm-hmm. as well. Is yeah. that and that does that sort of speak to this idea of payloads that get deposited in a region or a state and need to get moved to a specific address? Absolutely.
1: It's all about precision. So that space utility vehicle, so says our customers, um, is intended to do a couple of things. Um, Where we drop them off, and they say a little to the left, a little to the right, or a further journey than that rocket drops me off. Um, They're going to buy that capacity from somebody. They're going to pay for the ability to get there from someone. They're either going to build themselves on their payload, which could be a little bit different than their mission set. They're going to they're ask a third party to fly on our rocket or our competitor's rocket to then take them the rest of the way. Or they're going to naturally say to somebody like us, you do it. And our perspective is the carbon fiber structures that we build a rocket out of and that we build a lander out of are very similar in terms of the physics and the engineering principles to build an orbiting class vehicle. Um, the propulsion technologies particularly in the lander are very very similar to that with of what we would use to maneuver um, an orbital class vehicle and so who better to do that than Firefly than the than the entity that got you there and then when you think about the economies of scale of that craft flies on our rocket for free, so if we can pay for the cost of the rocket with the payload that's getting deployed, and we fly our orbital class vehicle with it, low volume, relatively low weight, that then can act as a third stage, it can help them maneuver once they're there, it can help them deorbit, then we've solved a very needed problem in the market. Someone's going to solve that. It's either going to be a third party that has to pay to get there. Uh, it's going to be that entity. That's again now they're 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 getting away from their focus in their business area. Um, it should be the infrastructure end-to-end transportation companies, and that's what we are. So that's why it's it's very natural, vertically integrated, same manufacturing facility, same engineers. Um, you can come to Austin and see it. Um, it. It's you know they're they're being built right now. Um, it's part of the reason for the space flight acquisition. That's why it was interesting to us. Okay, um, we talked about that in a little bit, but um, it just makes sense for us very much as a hand in glove capability of what we already do with launch and, and landing.
0: When do you so, start deploying those spacecraft, or are you already?
1: So first, what we call today the SUV, and we're going to get away from that, and it's going to have <laughs> you know, you know, it's going to have a much cooler name than than just SUV. But there'll be an SUV on is that.
0: helpful though. It is in, in it, terms it, of it, describing it it.
1: it. it did snap in with yeah. several people to go. Oh, I get it, right? I understand what that's intended to do. So maybe, maybe we just you know put a bug around it or make it you know black and green and and, and have a little bit better logoing and, and and branding than that. But the first iteration is ready to fly on. We think, we think, Alpha Flight Five. And and the reason I say we think, is because there is a little bit of um, um, manifest um, maneuver going on right now in terms of some demand from some of the customers. Of when they'll fly there's available capacity somewhere in a flight that will either be five six or seven i think it's going to be flight five right now but again um, as we get closer to those launch dates so it's ready to fly in the fourth quarter this year we'll put it up um, that first article will just be to prove flight worthiness maneuverability communication Um, we're going to wait to see what is the what is the first capability that we deploy, whether it is a third stage, whether it has a mechanical arm, a multi-use connector, a camera, um, that really is demand set by the customer. They tell us, all right, if you can put that capability on it, um, uh, then we'll pay to do that. Um, Having said that, uh, that first SUV is an intelligence community mission. So you know the answer to your next question. Can't talk a lot about exactly what it's (laughs) going to do. But it's the right customer um, for us to be flying with. And we're super excited about that.
0: Let's talk a little bit about your customer backlog. You mentioned the lander, too. I want to get to that. Because I think that and that has a really fun name too, right? Yeah. Blue Ghost. Yeah. Um, but but first, just a little bit about the backlog. Because I, I know you've you've struck some partnerships with some different big primes like Northrop Grumman, where yep. you're working on a rocket together. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be sending satellites to orbit for Lockheed Martin. You are yeah. working with the Space Force. I guess mm-hmm. I just walk walk me through some of these um, customers, some of these deals, and and sort of how you're thinking about commercial versus um, government.
1: Yeah. Um- so the government marketplace is a perfect place for companies like Firefly to start. The scrutiny that the US Space Force puts Firefly through and the amount of exacting standards we have to meet in order to fly for NASA, will say to every commercial customer out there, we're ready for your mission as well, which is why we gravitate there on launch and landing and our orbiter. If we can prove it there, then there isn't a customer out there that would say, uh, our standards are even more robust than that. Hmm. There are some that would match and that would replicate, but it's a perfect place for for us to prove out that this isn't a a risky venture. It is predictable, it's dependable, it's repeatable. And that's why you will see on everything that we do, whether it's a launch vehicle, an orbiter, uh, the orbiting vehicle, um, a lander, the, the first customer set and the initial demand is going to be heavily tipped towards government customer. Now, um, the commercial market then watches that and says, how might I use that? The deployment of constellations of communication satellites gets um, more and more provable over time, the more defense and intelligence entities that go up. Uh, and so what you see then over time is alpha where it'll be very heavily defense-focused initially and intelligence community-focused initially, ultimately will prove out to be a repeatable on-demand solution for the commercial entities as they're replacing satellites in their communication constellations. So we kind of view it as a, let's, let's say, at first 24 months, it's 75-25 government. Okay. Whether it's a, a launch vehicle, a lander, maybe, maybe more, but let's call it a 75-25 launch, lander, or orbiter, the government customer will lead the way. And then in the next two to three years beyond that, so through your five-year cycle, you're gonna, you're gonna tip to something like a 60-40 or 50-50 mix. But the expectation always is, as the commercialization of space um, comes to life, that'll go the other direction. 75% of what Alpha does nearing its um, latter stages of life will be commercial launch. And, and the same will be true of the medium vehicle, Same will be true of of Blue Ghost and our lander platforms and the orbiting entity. The ultimate customer that will use um, uh, the SUV will be commercial customers. But all along the way, the defense and intelligence community loves that because they get to take full benefit of, of all of the innovation that then happens as we adapt it and build it out and mature it. So it works the way it's supposed to. They use a lot of their... In initial demand set to, um, uh, to build out a capability, but commercial market really is what ramps it into full production. Mm. So, yeah. yeah.
0: That relationship and how that's evolved is, is something that's come up in conversations with Space Force, yeah. with National Reconnaissance Office, so many folks I've spoken to and sort of this idea to your point of like government being able to leverage some of the innovation coming out of private sector, out of a company like Firefly.
1: Yeah, um, we will host um, US Space Force next week in Austin. They are as interested in how our commercial pipeline is developing as they are in our ability to perform their missions. Interesting. They, they need us to be a commercially viable entity, long-term, not just us, by the way, Yeah. several of our competitors, which it's an, it's an interesting twist in the markets that we operate in. We root for, um, we, ne- we, we never root against a competitor on launch day or when they're trying to land, ever. It's bad for all of us. Mm-hmm. If any of us don't succeed, um, you know we, we're competitive. Um, we're going to win every single time we can out there. There's, you know, no apologies about that. But we don't root for anybody else to fail. Neither does Space Force or NASA or the intelligence community. More choices out there, more things flying, um, helps helps our nation and other nations like us. Um, and and so they want to know that the. Uh, uh, the market that they're driving is also well supported uh, by other customers as well
0: Blue ghost yeah let's talk about it
1: <laughs> you know what a blue ghost is No tell me it's a firefly that's very fact. clever that's like it's extra cool. clever yeah it's a lot of the a lot of the hidden gems inside our, our company as you get to know us more um, there's a rhyme or reason to you know kind of how things come together there is a firefly in the North Carolina and South Carolina region of the country that when it glows it glows blue. And it is, a, it is commonly referred to as Blue Ghost. And so what better name then for, um, uh, for our lander as Firefly thinks about putting that on the moon than Blue Ghost. And that's how the name got, um, you know, got its start with us. Um, super proud about that, uh, that spacecraft. Uh, that lander is um, now contracted on its second mission. So Blue Ghost 1 and Blue Ghost 2 are both coming to life. Um, Blue Ghost 1 is in final assembly. Again, when you come to Austin, you'll see it um, in our clean room. The payloads are being integrated in it right now. Um, And it'll fly sometime around this time next year. It'll orbit for about a month, and then it's going to touch down um, in the South Pole region uh, uh, of the moon. When it does, um, and it'll touch down softly uh, because that's the distinction that, Uh, The engineering community at Firefly always points out whenever I say, when we land. uh, It's always interesting to me that uh, in my earliest days, when I would talk about um, Blue Ghost landing, um, they would bristle. um, And and, and so I noticed several of the engineers, and I would say, guys, what am I saying wrong there? What what is it you're reacting to? And they would point out that, Bill, it is going to land we want it to land softly. Gotcha, right? Gravity <laughs> takes over. And so it's going to land on the surface of the moon. So um, Blue Ghost will touch down softly uh, around this time next year, a little bit later. And then um, depending on how the manifests go, uh, there, are, there are a couple of missions on the NASA eclipse contract that are going on at the same time. It very well may be. Uh, it may be the first US presence back to the surface of the moon since Apollo 17. Incredibly humbling, uh, certainly as a leader, but I think if you talk to the folks at Firefly, that's not lost on any individual, that we have that opportunity in this company. It's it's incredibly cool to be a part uh, of an organization that has that opportunity. Um, And NASA gave us that first contract and then said, how's this for a a follow-up act? We'd like you to go to the far side of the moon, or the dark side, uh, and we'd like you to land in a place that no human, has, no human entity has ever landed. And so Blue Ghost 2 will go to the far side, literally out of any... Um, uh, it's completely shielded by the Sun, or the Earth, or any of the radiation that comes off of it, in order to look deep, deep, deep into space and figure out some really interesting questions unobstructed about you know, some of the origins of the universe. And again, we have the opportunity, the men and women who work for Firefly every day have that opportunity, they brought that to life. Um, I'm just the guy who gets to come out here and talk about it, um, <laughs> but it is a really, really cool mission set, really cool. Yeah.
0: I mean, you're the guy who comes out to talk about it, but you're also the guy that came in to basically turn the company around, because it had hit, 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 hit some hit issues along the way mm-hmm. in, its, uh, in its earlier stage, and it does seem like it's progressing very quickly under you. And there is this diversification of the portfolio that, yeah. that's afoot as well.
1: Yeah. I would probably term it a little bit different. Okay. Where it, I don't know that it turned around. Firefly was in a very similar state to okay. a lot of the technology environments, um, of early and, and mid-stage, mid small cap, mid-cap technology companies, they get so far uh, on the back of founder entrepreneurs who can do things that, frankly, I could never do. Um, um, I, I give incredible credit to my predecessor, Tom Marcusic and the vision that he and the other founders of Firefly had to say, why not us? Look what we... There are some things that should be developed. We can do them. Now, um, taking that critical mass, though, and turning it into a viable business, a repeatable, dependable uh, entity, there's a, there's a trick. There's a, there's a set of skills that you develop over time that you get good at. That's, that's, that's what I love to do. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's where I come in and say, listen, the ability to do that and not kill the culture uh, and not drive people out um, and not take the things about Firefly that were cool a year ago uh, and, 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 and make them just as equally as exciting today and enticing for that same kind of workforce, that's what I'm drawn to. And so that's what I get to work on. Um, you know, look, we're all good at certain things. That's where I'm particularly good. Um, uh, so if I've, if I've done anything right um, in my career, it's, it's probably around that. Uh, okay. But I could never. Um, And I never try to pitch myself as, um, I mean, the the people I grew up with uh, who know me (laughs) find it hilarious that um, I am responsible for a team of rocket scientists. Um, I I, I laugh about it to myself every day as I'm driving in. um, But the reality is that combination of business leader and scientist uh, is required in order for companies like Firefly Mm -hmm. to go do what we have to do. So I'm needed. And they're needed. We're needed together, and so that's that's how I've presented it to the company. Uh, they've been really receptive to it. Um, look, we have a we have a pact um, that I'm going to be square and straight with them. They're going to continue to work as hard as they ever have, and I think in combination we're going to get everything done we need to get done out there. Um, so we got a lot, a lot of really good stuff happening.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, so when you look at these different pieces of the portfolio, I guess what are you thinking in terms of since you're a numbers guy, addressable market, and where you see the biggest opportunities in terms of future businesses and, you know, business growth and revenue?
1: Yeah, I, I think it starts with what are you good at? Assess that really quick and, and, and be honest. Um, not what do you want to be good at, but, but really where where are the skills in the company? This company does two things particularly well. And a third thing that, um, that we have as our advantage, um, and, and I'll describe them really quickly. What we do with carbon composites is unique. Um, we've cracked a code that many have tried uh, to harness, we've done it. Um, it allows us to build strong, flexible, and light structures. Critical when you think about uh, taking mass to orbit uh, and doing that at scale. So we have that as an advantage. Others will figure science out along those lines, um, but we don't intend to relinquish the lead that we have. and so. We're all in on building carbon composite structures, where it makes sense. I think that's important. I think um, committing to any technology just for the sake of the technology is always a mistake. But, but what we're good at with building carbon composite structures, uh, where it makes sense in a rocket, in a lander or in an orbiter, has given us a great advantage. So that's number one. Number two, Firefly's known uh, in our advancements and our prowess in propulsion. What we do to build engines and thrusters that are efficient, um, that scale well, that are reliable, that don't have uh, added intricacy and weight and complexity uh, that cause them to fail and break down, um, we have an advantage. What we do, you've probably heard us talk about it before, tap-off cycle technology in our large propulsion. Um, There's not a company out there that hasn't either uh, investigated it or would like to fly that technology on their propulsion systems. I know because virtually every one of our competitors have, has called and said, would you sell us an engine similar to what you're using on Reaver, Lightning, Miranda, uh, the engines, the, the propulsion systems that, um, that provide lift for our, for our rockets? So I know there's an admiration out there in the market. We're doing it really well. Our focus is going to be on Firefly and making our things fly before we consider perhaps down the road, uh, maybe selling that at scale uh, to the rest of the market. Because you knew
0: that was my next question.
1: <laughs> it gives us a great advantage. Yeah. Um, and there's a, time, there's, there's a time where once you've, you've cemented your role in the market, you, you can then think about, does that then give you an opportunity to say, we have our place, maybe, maybe the right um, partners could use it for their particular part in the market. But I have no intention. Uh, of giving a competitor, um, you know, kind of the, 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 um, uh, the, the secret sauce or the, or, the, or the keys to the kingdom. That's a hard problem to tackle. Uh, we've done it. And so that, that would be number two. And number three, what we do in Austin and the proximity we have from where we build, uh, and, and, from where we design and, and do our engineering and where we test and, and manufacture is a huge advantage for us we are based uh, the engineering design center is in cedar park and then 20 minutes uh north in briggs texas is where we manufacture and we test everything so um literally we can design in the morning we can manufacture by by noon and we can have it on a test stand by the end of the day and then rinse and repeat and that's not that's that's actual that's practical that happens at firefly a change that an engineer will say, I saw something in the data from the night before, uh, I come in in the morning, I design it, we manufacture it in, in our facility and we test it and rinse and repeat over and over and over. It allows us rapid iteration. Our competitors are doing that hours away, uh, days away, states away from, from those facilities. We can do it literally in a straight shot uh, uh, right there um, just north of Austin. So it's a huge advantage for us. Um, and, and that's where we're going to continue to exploit that um, you know, going forward. That's, um, that's a great advantage for us. So you have to know what you're good at, right? Um, so the vertical integration allows us to, to, to look at the market and say, if we can do that right there with carbon composites and, 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 and propulsion, it makes sense for us to make a larger rocket than alpha. It makes sense for us then, take that and say, are there some parts of that that would make us a natural provider of lander capability? And, and then if you're doing those two things, the third piece that those same customers are asking for is, can you help me maneuver when you launch me or get ready to land me? Which is why we're in the businesses that we're in. They, they do make sense. They pass muster. There's a financial market there. We think that that total addressable market is north of $8 billion just for the things we're involved in today. There will be new players that come in and say, I have a demand set, didn't know I could put that in orbit, now I do. Uh, there will be new things we branch into as a company, but just where we are right now, that's, a, that's a more than big enough market for us to go get our fair share of it uh, and, and give us great growth through the end of the decade. So hmm. we're excited. Um, One of the things you always look for in my role is, all right, we do some really cool things, but is, are there enough paying customers out there? I would say that Firefly, relative to other places I've been, that's the one question we do not worry about. The the, the onus is on us to get there, not on an if you build it, they will come. The customers are there waiting for companies like Firefly to do it repeatedly and dependably over and over and over. So um, we're gonna be one, I know there will be others, but we will be one of those that do that. Okay. Yeah.
0: You've been acquisitive. I guess mm-hmm. walk, walk me through that, um, whether it's the deal you made that, that enables, you know, in-space transportation services, or whether it's even um, picking up some of the assets from the Virgin Orbit bankruptcy. Yeah.
1: Well, it starts with health. Um, you got to be healthy in order to be um, in, the, in the M&A arena, um, unless you're doing it to save a burning platform, which we are not. Um, so the first thing was get the finances of the company um, stable over the long haul. You know we were involved in capital raise. Got some really good news that we're going to be announcing um, soon. That's coming to a close. We're oversubscribed. And it was an up round for Firefly. Wow. That alone in this market, yeah. um, incredibly proud of the track record that this company put us in in order to go do that. Um, there's a lot of companies out there that we compete with that are either announcing um, down rounds or they they went with a shorter cycle and they raised less than they thought they were going to raise. Mm-hmm. So we did not. It took us longer to do that than I think anybody imagined uh, last fall. But um, I think as we said last time, you deal with these markets, the, the capital markets, as they are, not as you hope them to be. Um, at the end of the day, We're we're a great story. It took longer on diligence to get there, but that's what it took. And so that's what the team did. Um, Countless tours, come live with us, see who we are. See for yourself, this is not a PowerPoint rendering. These contracts, everything we talked about, all of it, you can come see it and touch it. There are launches scheduled. There are real contracts that you can diligence and look at that have good business relationships for us and our investors. Um, our shareholders so the business is sound the macro conditions are tough but you can raise capital um, even in difficult markets and so we got that done so health number one then you can turn your attention to all right how's our plan going and it and, and my judgment with the leadership team was there were a couple areas we were lagging behind a little bit when we want to be a dominant launch landing and orbiting provider out there we saw a couple things that we were organically building that were taking a little longer to get done than some of the other areas. Number one, um, our lander—I'm I'm sorry, our orbiter capability SUV—we um, were there were some constraints there. We were not able to bid on some work because we didn't have past performance having an orbital lander. Well, Spaceflight had five iterations of their platform Sherpa that have has already launched, already achieved orbit. Two of them are still uh, on orbit and we're communicating with them right now. So we immediately picked up past performance that allows us to bid on more work that our customers are asking us to bid on. So check number two when you when you imagine a launch every other month turning into a launch a month on Alpha, the medium launch vehicle coming online in the 25 time frame, taking paying customers. Uh, Blue Ghost, two of them already, and again nothing to announce, but. Um, um soon to be um, two more contracts just like it um and then you think about um an undetermined but growing demand for orbiting vehicles those are a lot of payload manifests that a need to be sold and b need to be mission managed firefly's sales capability has largely existed on our tailwinds we've got some really great sales stories in the company but we were building a formal structure Uh, a business development and sales culture in the company, we picked up some, some real great market intel of, how do you take small customers and aggregate them to put them on our rocket? Or how do you find customers that really want orbiting capability and that will ride along on the SUV? Well, Spaceflight had that. So again, business development and sales, we just got a lot better overnight. And the third piece was 416 missions that have been managed by Spaceflight. I need that knowledge. We needed that knowledge in Firefly. We need, that needs to be institutional. We need to have methodology and we need to have templates and we need to understand from experience, what's the best way to handle a particular customer? Well, that mission management capability is now resident in Firefly. So it pushed those three areas, SUV and, and the orbiting vehicle, mission management and business development far forward and now it is even with the other areas of the company that need to develop. So it was a good deal for us to do it. And we did it with no cash. And it didn't it didn't take us out of our mission set. Um, there's some things Spaceflight did historically that we won't be doing going forward. Um, we're not an aggregator. I'm not looking to collect up um, a lot of small payloads and, and fill my competitors' rockets going forward. And I'm sure they don't want me to do that. Um, uh, but we will be filling up our vehicles, all of them, with that same capability. So it made, it made a lot of sense for us to do that deal. Um, the Virgin Orbit deal, similarly, uh, opportunistically, there were a lot of things in an inventory that we already had in our 2023 and 2024 business plan to buy. And suffice it to say, what I was gonna pay for it is a lot more than I just paid for it. Mm. So we paid a certain price, we're taking that, and we're selling all the rest of that inventory off. So it'll end up being a money maker for the company. But you can't do that if you don't have that relative health we talked about at the beginning. So um, more to come. We're, we're looking at the market. Um, there are opportunities out there. So there. There are companies in our sector, as you know, that um, can't get all the way there. They're, they're having difficulty, and they're struggling in some areas. And if um, if that makes sense for Firefly, then we'll be active in that in the arena. So.
0: So, final question for you then, yep. and I suspect I may already know the answer, since it sounds like you're getting ready to announce a, another successful round of uh, capital raise. But yeah. plans to go public. How do you think about that?
1: Um, do I you think, think about, about it, it? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm a I'm a public company CEO. If you look at my background, yeah. I've done that a couple times over, um, and um, and and I and I um, I embrace the public markets. Um, I, I I think if you can learn how to um, communicate with public investors in the way they, they expect to be communicated, um, in a very predictable and dependable way, and give them insight into where the company's headed, and then hit your numbers, then then you, you can have great success uh, as, as, an, as an organization. Um, there are a lot of companies out there that shouldn't be public that are public right now, and I think they're facing the difficulty of that. Um, so there's a time and place for 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 that um my expectation though is whether we are a public offering uh or we remain private good execution today is going to set up whatever that outcome is so if Alpha's flying once a month and the medium launch vehicle then comes to life this time next year we ship a little bit in fourth quarter we ship the um the first article of that um to Northrop Grumman um, and we start we start flying the medium launch vehicle, Blue Ghost lands. Whether we IPO or whether we're a, a, a larger consolidator or whether it were a strategic acquisition, it'll be the result of good execution. So that that's what I'm focused on. I think this company would be, with that performance, would be a great IPO candidate, I do. Um, but the macroeconomic conditions are gonna have a say In whether that's the right thing for us at that time my job is just to make sure the company is in a position to do that if and when that happens Um, if and when that time comes upon us um, we will be ready no matter what Um, but um, there are there are some other folks that have a say or two on what firefly does and that's our owners Um, so my job is just to make sure that the way we execute today puts us in a position we can do that or Uh, Any of the options are available for us.
0: That does it for this episode of Manifest Space. Make sure you never miss a launch by following us wherever you get your podcasts and by watching our coverage on Closing Bell Overtime. I'm Morgan Brennan.
1: Too smart for your trading app? Tired of brokers made for beginners? Then it's time you get serious.
0: It's time you join Tasty Trade. the tools and tech you need for a tough market, plus low and capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more, all in one place. If you trade anywhere else, you're missing out. Join the club, genius. Visit tastytrade.com.
1: TastyTrade, Inc. is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA, NFA, and SIPC.